0: Anybody seen The Last Dance, Uh, the Michael Jordan documentary? Um, uh, Michael Jordan, uh, when he won his first title, I was 10 years old. I was right in the throes of childhood. Uh, So my formative years and Michael Jordan, they go hand in hand. I've got uh, the starting lineup, the little mini figurine uh, was my uh, my comfort in, in life and in death during COVID. I just sat him on my desk and I felt better about my life. Uh, but we, I watched this Michael Jordan documentary when it came out. It came out right in the middle of the lockdown. They put out a new episode every week, uh, and it was stunning in many ways. It, it took me back in time, it was pure nostalgia. But as you watch it, even if you didn't grow up in the same years I did, I think what you'll find out in the documentary is that there was one defining characteristic that makes Michael Jordan Michael Jordan, and it's his unquenchable desire to compete. Every single person they talked to in that documentary, whether it was a teammate, whether it was an opponent, whether it was a family member, whether it was a friend, all they would ever mention is that he had this will to win that was unmatched. He was always hunting for a shred of information that could unlock his energies, not just to win, but to crush his opponent. I think it's safe to say that winning is what got Michael Jordan out of bed every morning. What get you out of bed? What got you out of bed this morning? What is it that you wanted to give your energy to? What is it that you want to give your life to? Whatever that thing is, it's not necessarily a bad thing. It's not a bad thing to have a drive. Because that energy is given to us by God. It's a kind of restlessness, isn't it? That's meant to drive us not just to keep living life, but it's meant to drive us to God Himself. There's a quote by one of the famous church fathers, Augustine. Augustine was a dark-skinned brother from North Africa. And he says this, he says, You have made us for yourself, O Lord, and our heart is restless until it finds its rest in you. So at the end of the day, God is our destiny. And he's the only one who will really satisfy our souls. But let's be honest God isn't the one who satisfies our souls moment in and moment out. Rather, we live in this chronic state of restlessness. We have to stop and say that this restlessness has gone awry in us and we're the ones to blame. I mean, think about it. Think about how much you love to tell people how busy you are, how much you work, how much you still have to get done, how overwhelmed you are by the exhaustion of your labor. We also admire other people's productivity, don't we? We admire their busyness. So there's no doubt that we're driven, and it's our fault. But it's also the water of the world in which we live. I mean, think about it. We live in a world that we swim in, and it's just doused in consumerism. And what consumerism does is always holding out carrots for us, there's always one more product to purchase. One more car, one more phone upgrade, one more show to binge, one more vacation destiny, one more restaurant to try, one more, one more, one more. And the product's promise, no matter what it is, is that it's going to make us safe. It's going to make us acceptable, but it's also going to make you restless. I mean, really advertising, that's all it is. It's just an attempt to monetize our restlessness. There's one stat that thinks that we see 4,000 ads a day. So no wonder you're restless. Have you ever been to Vermont? I mean, you can make fun of Vermont all you want. Uh, I think Vermonters probably make fun of Vermonters, you know? But if you go to Vermont, what'll blow your mind? There aren't any billboards. It's illegal. (laughs) And it's kind of nice. But see, these are just my observations. Listen to these two people outside the church that I found. First is this guy named Tristan Harris. He used to work for Google, but he left Google, and he runs a nonprofit now that he started. And the whole purpose of the nonprofit is to combat the reality that tech companies are intentionally designing everything for distraction and addiction. That's Tristan Harris. This other guy's name is Sean Parker. He was a former president at Facebook, and he says this about Facebook, reflecting back on his years there. He says, when I was at Facebook, we were all asking, how do we consume as much of your time and conscious attention as possible? End quote. So where does that leave you and where does it leave me? It leaves us exhausted. So you take our hearts that are restless, you take the digital age, you put them together, and you have a society full of exhausted people. So is there a practice? Is there somewhere in the scriptures we can go that will dampen our restlessness and bring us rest? There is actually. And it's called the Sabbath. Maybe you've never heard of it. It's likely you haven't because it's been all but forgotten in the church. And our culture certainly is going to pick up the Sabbath and promote it. So we've forgotten it. We've forgotten it to our peril. See, it's not like we don't love God. We do. We just don't know how to lay aside our work We're better at working than we are at resting. We're better at fixing problems than sitting with Jesus. And we need to learn this practice of setting aside a day to learn to sit with Jesus. And we're going to learn this practice from the one who did it first and did it best, God himself. That's what happens in Genesis 2, verses 1 to 3. Let's read it together. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the hosts of them... And on the seventh day, God finished His work that He had done. And He rested on the seventh day from all His work that He had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy, because on it, God rested from all His work that He had done in creation. The Word of the Lord. All right, I want to pull out four verbs. Verse 2. This is on the seventh day, God finished. That's the first verb. Second verb. Is in verse 2, and it says, and he rested. Verse 3, it says, so God blessed. That's the third verb. And the last one is right after that, and it says, and made it holy. So sanctify, make holy. And those are the four verbs I want to pull out, and I want to walk through each of those verbs. Each four of those verbs, God is the one who's accomplishing the action. So I think we can learn a lot about Sabbath by seeing what God did on the Sabbath. Well, the first thing God did is that He finished it. Now, imagine we had a a Bible trivia game, and I asked asked you, well, what day did God finish creation? I think most of us would say, well, He finished on the 6th. At least that's what I would have said before I started looking at this text, but it's not true, is it? He finishes it on the 7th. So what is the activity that God did on the 7th? What is it that He hadn't wrapped up yet? And it, was, it is this verb called finished. Well, the, the, the Hebrew for this, uh, this verb is manuid. He manuid. Now, I didn't take manure and make it a verb here. But the original language for the Old Testament is the Hebrew, and most of the time, this word is translated as finished. But it's not a negative term. It's something very positive. What it means is that it means to delight in something. It means to wonder in something. And that's the one thing that God has yet to do in the first six days. He wonders and delights in His creation. So there's a parallel here. Think of the birthing event. A woman carries a child for nine months. Her body goes through a ton of work, this miracle really, to grow a baby. And then there's this grueling yet beautiful work of labor that happens. But the work of making, growing, and birthing a baby is not complete. We all know that. The completion happens when the baby is taken into the arms of his or her parents. And that's when the bonding begins. That's when the delight happens. That's when the wonder begins to happen. And that's the stuff of the Sabbath. What God does is He takes up His creation that He had made the previous six days. He gathers it in His arms and He delights in it. And this makes the Sabbath a day of wonder. It's the best day of the week. It's the day that you anticipate on Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. It's the day you remember on Monday, Tuesday, and Wednesday. But is it too hard for you to believe that God has actually set a day of the week aside for you to wonder in? day of the week for you to be in wonder and awe and marvel? I think this whole idea of having a day of delight is more than most people can handle. But delight is exactly what you're made for. To enjoy God, to glorify God and enjoy Him forever. So what part of creation will you delight in this Sabbath? What beauty will you gather up, receive, and give God praise for? What intrigues you? What amazes you? What, what, what tickles your fancy? What, what casts you into an entirely different world? Well, the Sabbath is a day to play and dance and sing and pray and laugh and tell stories and read and enjoy the outdoors. Finished. Delighted in. Wonder. The second verb is Rested. This finishes kind of on the positive side. It's an activity. That's what manua is all about. But then there's this negative side, and it's, it's about what you're not doing. And it's called rest. See, rest is about not being productive. Rest is the opposite of work. And that's what God did on the Sabbath. He didn't rest because he was tired. God just rested. And if God rested, why do you find it so hard to rest? Well, it likely triggers some excuses for you why it's hard for you to rest. Maybe you just say, like, you just say, "I just like to keep busy." Well, God rested. I, I have a very busy job, demanding. God rested. I, I have little kids at home, and it's just not doable right now. Well, God rested. See, God did not show up to do more on the seventh day. God did not come back into the office on the Sabbath. God did not come back and check on creation to make sure that it was chugging along. He's not a workaholic. He's a restful God. And that ensures that restfulness rather than restlessness is at the center of your life. But what we do is we readily trade in rest for unrest. We think we need to be productive seven days a week. We think that creation depends on our endless work, but it doesn't. There's an example of this, of what happened when society tried to abandon the seven-day work week, and it was during the French Revolution. They they, they instead switched to a ten-day work week to up their productivity as a nation. But what this ten-day work week produced was a disaster. The economy crashed. Suicide skyrocketed. But what about productivity? What happened? It went down. And it's been proven study after study that there's zero correlation between hurry and productivity. In fact, once you work a certain number of hours, your productivity, according to most studies, plummets. You want to know what that number is? It's 50. I mean, it's ironic, isn't it? That sounds like a six-day work week, doesn't it? One study found that there's zero difference in productivity between workers who log 70 hours and those who log 55. So could God be speaking to us by what our bodies can actually produce? So rested. The Sabbath is about manua, delighting in, finished. The Sabbath is about resting. The third thing we see is that the Sabbath is about being blessed. See, the creation narrative covers Genesis 1 to 3, and there are two other times that this word bless comes up. And the word blessing comes up when it speaks of animals and human beings. And what blessing means in both of those instances is that it regards their ability to procreate or to multiply life. That's what blessing means. So if animals and people, and then there's a day that are blessed, then what does the Sabbath being blessed mean? It means that the Sabbath has life-giving capacity. The Sabbath wants to multiply life in you. It's a day to fill your souls back up. Uh, in his book, really good book, actually, uh, what re- really helped me uh, think about all of this is um, called "The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry." That's written by a guy named John Mark Comer, pastor out in Portland, and. Um, He uh, talks about a study in his book uh, that's about the the happiest people on earth, Uh, and near the top of this this study is a group of Christians called the Seventh Day Adventists. You ever heard of this? You ever heard of this small denomination? Well, if you were to run across them, you'd find out that they take the seventh day really serious. And one study found that Seventh Day Adventists in America lived ten years longer than the average American. So if you do the math and if you live rough, r- roughly 70 years and if you were to take a day off for 70 years, then 10 years of your life you would have spent in Sabbath. Well, you take the 70 years that, you, that most Americans live and you add 10 more onto it and that's 80. Well, that's how long the average Seventh-day Adventist lives. So this whole idea of Sabbath being life-giving, it's not just empty rhetoric It means every day you Sabbath, you're getting your life back in the form of elongating it at the end. So the Sabbath is about being blessed. It's about multiplying life in you. And the fourth verb is make holy. So God blesses the day and then he does something else. He makes it holy. It's interesting, isn't it? At the end of the first six days, God always says, and it was good or it was very good. And then at the end of the seventh day, he doesn't call it good. He switches to a different word. He says that it's holy. In fact, the Sabbath is the only thing in the creation narrative that's holy. I mean, if you think of all the things that God could have made holy, God could have made a mountain holy, a spring holy, a building holy. But no, what he makes holy is a day. And the day of the Sabbath is where God dwells. That's what holy is all about. And God dwells in time. So the Sabbath is something we enter. It's something we receive as a, something we create or something that we take. And if the Sabbath is holy, if that's where God dwells, and that means you don't have to take a pilgrimage to Mecca. You don't have to go to India with a Dalai Lama. You don't have to go to a church building. You don't have to go to a monastery. You don't have to go to a stunning mountain vista. And if you're a Presbyterian, you don't have to go to Scotland. You just have to set aside a day of the week and stop long enough to be still with God. See, at the heart of what makes the Sabbath so hard to practice is that we would rather work for our salvation with self-generated power that produces self-righteousness. We would rather do that than receive what's not deserved. See, when Jesus cried out, it is finished, he meant that his job was done. Jesus was saying, I've earned perfect righteousness that now can be extended to you by faith. It can be credited to you by faith so that you too can say, it is finished. My work is done. And that means there's nothing for you to do. In fact, nothing is exactly what is required to receive salvation in the Christian faith. Uh, Listen to this quote by Martin Luther. This is from the preface of his commentary uh, of the book of Galatians. He says this, he says, Do we then do nothing? Do we work nothing for the, uh, the obtaining of righteousness? I answer, nothing at all. For this is perfect righteousness, to do nothing, to hear nothing, to know nothing of the law or works, But to know and believe this only, that Christ has gone to the Father and He's now not seen, that He sits in heaven at the right hand of the Father, not as judge, but He's made unto you, unto me. He's made unto us of God, wisdom, righteousness, holiness, redemption. Briefly, that He is our high priest entreating for us and reigning over us and in us by grace. So sure, the Sabbath is a day but it's also a state in which we live as Christians. We have nothing to prove to God. We have nothing to prove to ourselves. And we have nothing to prove to others. All we have is Christ's righteousness. All we have is his finished work. And when that truth really, really lands on you, it will release you. It will release you of your neurotic need to work. And you'll be able to rest with a Sabbath in God who loves you.